And hello out there, all you Lassoholics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and I am so excited about this episode of PBB because this is a very special crossover episode as we are bringing on all three hosts of the fellow Ted Lasso podcast, Lasso Cast. We are so excited to talk all things Lasso with them, where their show came from, and our thoughts about the incredible season two that just happened there. Um, but of course, I will not delay any further before I introduce my illustrious co-host of Peanut Butter and Biscuits, Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, Craig? Hi, how are you, Jer? It's been a week. We we took the week off. It was kind of nice did. to not hear your voice for a week. I'm oh, not lie. that's so sweet. Oh, man. I don't know what we're going to do with all of that sweetness in the room. Um, but we are so excited today because we are also joined here by the amazing hosts of Lasso Cast here. Um, we are doing a crossover for the ages, folks, uh, because we want to talk all things Ted Lasso. Before we get into our season one rewatch, we wanted to once again ruminate on the entire series with these amazing people. Craig, why don't you take us through, introduce the LassoCast people here. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, first of all, I want to say, I I just want to give you all the kudos and uh, just give you all of the um, gratefulness that I have as a listener of your show, because even before we were doing our show, before uh, we came to decide to do Lasso recaps, I had found Lasso cast and listening to you all, what I love about it is that you all have experience in filmmaking. And so you have more of a technical aspect uh, there, but then you also have such a chemistry together and it just works so well. It's like being the best podcast for me are ones where you feel like you're being dropped into the middle of a conversation with friends. Mm. And that's exactly what you do all of the time. And I really am so appreciative of having you on. And so uh, I'll introduce you. First, we've got Kenny and then Cy and John. How hello, are you? Hello. Hi, Craig. We're you're great. so kind. Yeah, thank you for those. <laughs> you're kind like words. making my night, man. I honestly, <laughs> it was kind of expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are the the you're you're the prominent uh, lasso podcast, right? We're one of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. trying to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, really, truly, I really enjoy your show. And for anybody that hasn't, what's really cool about this uh, as kind of content creation goes is that now that we're in sort of an off season, all of our shows are going to be in different places. So you can go back and listen to Lasso Cast, or you can uh, hit up Peanut Butter and Biscuits or whatever you want to do, because uh, we all have kind of a different take on things. Even though this is one episode we might be covering, it's going to go so many different directions with so many different people. Yeah. So I'm excited about this conversation that we're going to have today. And I just kind of came up with a, a list of topics that I wanted to get into. And so I think um, maybe we'll go ahead and just dive right into that. And the first thing I wanted to know was how did each of you kind of personally get into Ted Lasso? And maybe Sai, I'll start with you. Sure. Um, so listeners, uh, John co-host uh he's my husband so we share a lot of our tv time together we were on the couch and we're making those hard cuts of what we should watch and (laughs) i think we had been watching um oh my gosh uh, it's like a little fire is everywhere which is more Mm -hmm. of a drama um and it was good it was a bit of a slog it was a longer program 
and so somehow we stumbled across up, across uh, Ted Lasso, and it was thirty minutes, which I love, <laughs> and a comedy, which I also love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think John found it, brought it to me, and I said, "Yes, we can put that in the queue." It was a nudge from Kenny. Ah, we'd seen it. okay. We had, we had seen the commercials and stuff, and we're like, "Meh, maybe." And then Kenny, uh, we were coworkers at the time, kind of convinced me that we should check it out. And so, yeah. Kenny, how did you get around to it? Yeah, this seems to all, all revolve around you. Uh, so I was the very first person that watched Ted Lasso, period. <laughs> yes. As soon as it dropped. Yeah, I just devour content. Oh, just, you gotta have it. Uh, our our Lasso cast past guest, Soft Ronin, uh, is a ravenous TV devourer and... Uh, he said Ted Lasso is one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen. And I'd taken some recommendations from Asaf before. And usually whenever he recommends something, it's not just good, it's great. Mm. Uh, and then I watched that. And then I watched specifically the, the thing that made me obsessed with the show was season one, episode five, Tan Lines. Mm. And I went, this is this is now a show that is special because now I am seeing an emotional maturity on TV that I just do not see anywhere else. And that's probably whenever I started pulling on Johnny's coattails and going, uh, please, daddy, please watch the show. <laughs> so I didn't come to it until later because by the time I had really gotten into it, I was able to binge the entire season one. Um, mm-hmm. But what I will tell you is that this wasn't discussed beforehand, but Tan Lines was the episode for me. So I'm sitting down and my wife hardly ever watches TV with me. So I kind of wish that we had a couple's (laughs) dynamic where we were watching TV all the time. But uh, I will say that I sat down and I started watching Ted Lasso and I was like, okay, this pilot's got me. It's really funny and it's kind of moving on. Uh, And then I had that for the next like two or three episodes, but then it was that episode five, his family shows up. You start to see that family dynamic and you're just like, oh, this isn't a one-dimensional character. This is not just a guy who's promoting the Premier League to come to NBC. This is this is a story. This is a story that I'm going to like. And so it totally was tan lines for me as well. And at that point, that's when I became, I guess, sort of the Kenny of our front row network. I just started <laughs> telling all the hosts every day how great Ted Lasso was. Seriously, and you though. To check it out. So Jeremy, is that kind of when you got on? It's, am I the one that bothered you to be able to check that out? Seriously, though, it was only about the 8,000th uh, mention of Ted Lasso in our group chats that mm-hmm. I don't, and honestly, I don't even think I made a conscious choice to do it. I think like uh, you, you guys uh, that I had Apple TV open, I was just like, eh, okay. Um, yeah. And I think I, cause I saw it and I was like, oh, that's what Craig keeps talking about. Yeah, sure. Why not? And also, like you, though, uh, uh, Sai, it, it was that, yeah, 30 minutes. Whenever I see something is short, I, I immediately want to watch it more. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like yeah. that's just absolutely how it is. But honestly, for me, though, it wasn't – I mean, Tan Lines is an amazing uh, episode. But honestly, for me, it was episode three, Trent Krim, The Independent. One, because I'm obsessed with Trent Krim from The Independent, who is now just, <laughs> of course, Trent Krim Independent. Um, but uh, that episode was where – the line that uh, Ted tells him about his basic philosophy of coaching in life, where he says it's not about wins and losses, that there is, you, you know, it, it's uh, hard for uh, anyone to grow up without someone believing them. And that was just something where all of a sudden I thought to myself, because I come from a family, my dad coached uh, baseball for, you know, decades. 
And, you know, he had pitchers go to the major leagues and he had some that never pitched again, but he always said the same thing that it was always about building them up and not, you know, so much the skills, um, the skills will follow if you do that. So it just reminded me of my dad and his uh, philosophy of coaching. And all of a sudden just boom, like the floodgates open. Then you got yeah. that amazing gala episode. And I was just, I was hooked. Like <laughs> I just absolutely loved it from then on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I um, I think by the time I started actually posting in our group about this show, there was only like three available GIFs at the time, or as Leslie <laughs> would mention, some people say GIFs. So I would just yes. go in and I would like immediately like just start posting all of those over and over again. And it was the same like smells like potential. That was it. That was yeah. all that was like, seriously, <laughs> Craig, like if, if Apple wasn't paying you or at least indentured servanting you, I mean, like it was, you had to be on the payroll or something man well, yeah the weird, the weird thing about the initial rollout for ted lasso because i i hopped on the ted lasso train i think the first one that i watched live was episode seven of season one so i was still able to get mm. in under the wire mm-hmm. before it became uh i think how most people watched it yeah Is that the 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 ui of apple tv buried the darn thing yeah it's yeah. It was so hard to find for the longest time, but also it was, I mean, Apple TV plus was putting so much money in Mm -hmm. other products Mm -hmm. in what Johnny, the morning show, the morning show is a big one. Yeah. The morning show. They put so much for all mankind, for all mankind. See? Yeah. And those were the big money shows. And then Ted Lasso ends up being the thing that kind of puts Apple TV plus Mm -hmm. on the map. I mean, within, what Johnny like a year and a half mm-hmm. they've yeah. gotten all of these awards and you compare that to any other streamer that's starting right out the gate because everyone is scoffing at yet another streaming service but yeah. Apple TV plus is just basically proven oh we're kind of a force to be reckoned with yeah yeah it's almost like um they uh they didn't know how to market it initially so they kind of just buried it <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah I, well, I'm sure the success was a surprise to them. And a part of it was they had all these names. That that was kind of how they sold Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. at first. They did that. They did the Apple event like they do, and yeah. they were like, "We have Oprah, and we have Steven Spielberg, and we have Jason Momoa," and uh, like way down, like I think the right. the ninth page of that list, they were like, "We have some Jasons Today Show." Today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like, well, don't yeah. just, don't also forget they were putting their money into the uh, movies too, because uh, we actually talked to the director of the Greyhound movie with Tom Hanks. Oh uh, yeah, back, and so like that was a big thing. And also, by the way, a really fantastic film i mm-hmm. i find like you kenny though it's like apple tv like they are really the quality of the shows is quite amazing i think like i don't know like uh, for original content because you they don't have all these catalogs of past shows or anything like the other streamers do it's mostly all original content and for the most part i haven't found one that i dislike yet <laughs> i haven't mm-hmm. tried all of them but I, i'm liking most of them it's it's pretty incredible mm-hmm they got a good batting average so far, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Kenny. As opposed to, I, I suppose, the deluge of surplus content on like a Netflix or a Hulu, mm-hmm. Apple TV Plus's strengths, uh, at least just in terms of putting stuff out there, just seems to be in the curation of mm-hmm. qualities that are at worst 
fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I, I guess folks that watch the morning show, which is I, I am not one of them, but people like its trashy qualities and are like, ooh, it's a good hate watch. It is a good hate watch. I can, yes. I can speak to that for sure. I, uh, we were given, we, we now have a, a, some screener access for Apple. And I, I, so I did watch most of season two of the morning show. And um, there's, we, when we started this network, we'll talk about it here in a minute when we're talking about the podcast, but uh, we kind of try to stay on more of the optimistic side of criticism. <laughs> Obviously we'll say if we don't like something, but uh, there is a reason I don't necessarily talk about the morning show. Yeah, this is Craig's, um, <laughs> this is Craig's warning say, for why he's going to break our uh, motto here. So, <laughs> But no, I, you know, uh, I will say that Apple TV, uh, of course, like there's Mythic Quest, which was just renewed. I, by oh, the way, I don't know if anybody fantastic. saw the uh, way that they did that on social media with Anthony Hopkins oh, and yeah. uh, Jason Sudeikis chiming in. It was just amazing. And then uh, also... I, I always love this show. I think it's one that gets buried and it's called trying mm-hmm. and it's got yes. two seasons. Love it is trying. so good. It is so good. If you like Ted Lasso and you're like, Oh, what am I going to watch now? Uh, because uh, we're off of season two and now I have this subscription to Apple TV. Definitely <laughs> check out trying. It's a, it's a great show. And I think you'll really enjoy the chemistry between the two leads and just the ensemble that comes along with it. But before we get away from this uh, whole what brought you to the show individually? We heard from Kenny, Jeremy, and I, but uh, Sai and John, was there a particular episode that kind of drew you into Lasso? Or was it just kind of like, or did you get the opportunity to binge it? So for you, it's more like it was just the experience overall. We did binge it. We started watching it, I think, right after the season finished airing. Um, but we, we were good about not binging too much at a time. We try not to watch more than two episodes of something at a time, if that Um, But I think for me, it was probably also episode three, where I realized that there was more heart to the show than I had come in thinking there would be. Um, Yeah, Trent Krim, that episode definitely is the one that hooked me because the first episode I was like, okay, it's funny, it has potential. I kind of like the major league conceit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's exactly where my mind went too, John. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm down for like a fun sports show. Um, but yeah, episode three is when it completely like flipped it on me, flipped my expectations for it, and uh, it hooked me. Guys, we're a bunch of twinsies. I was also an episode three person. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> like I love Take that, the Kenny that and Craig. In. Yeah, I know we're getting voted <laughs> off the island, Kenny. I don't know. Believe it. It's been fun. Loved being on the podcast, but the uh, reign of the trip. So crims. turns out we're actually so Kenny's now going to come on peanut butter and biscuits. There Jeremy's we go. In the lasso cast. Oh, hey, wow, we're doing trade. We're doing a trade. <laughs> oh no! What a thrill. Cool. Host, host swap. Is that a thing? <laughs> there you go. Oh my god, I love this. That is my favorite ABC reality. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Well, um, I will also say, I like I said, I, I started listening to your show. Actually, it was great because by the time I had watched the uh, episodes, your show was already starting to be produced in December of 2020. So I don't, uh, I went back and listened to the first episode today and tried to determine if there was some kind of origin story in there. And I didn't hear it. So I kind of wanted to ask you all, what made you decide, you know, with this show, uh, among all of this golden age of television that we're going through, we want to spend hours of our lives talking about (laughs) this particular show. What was it about that? And uh, Kenny, were you the impetus for the the, the show coming to creation as well? No, not at all. <laughs> no, I 
I feel like yes, right? No, uh, it was John because uh, Johnny called. We got on the phone, a very rare phone call for Kenny. Mm. So I, I am not good with phone calls. But I, I was doing two other podcasts at the time, uh, and I was really not looking for other projects. <laughs> yeah. um, but Johnny was very keen on this, and he asked me, and I was like, I, I want to write those coattails because I think it's – there weren't any other Lasso yeah. podcasts at mm. the time, right, John? No. Yeah, and I think that was one of the deciding factors because it was like, no one's doing it yet. And somebody should be doing it because the That's show the deserves thing. a podcast. It was like a crime. Like we yeah. would like talk about like how great the show is. And then we're like, nobody's talking about this. Like what? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's honestly kind of where we came in, too, because it was like, you know, we, we started a Game of Thrones show around like season six of Game of Thrones on the network. And, you know, by then there were only 8,000 of those. Apparently I'm on the number 8,000 tonight. Um, but, yeah, we got in there and we were like, oh, there's like a handful of Ted Lasso podcasts. There should be more of these. So, yeah, we're yeah. going to we're going to start this. We're, we're going to we're going to start another one here. We're going to jump our throw our head in the ring. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny because we Jeremy and I started a network of podcasts about seven years ago, and because we're crazy, we've done lots of different shows back and forth. And I host a Disney show as kind of my primary gig with that network, and then Jeremy hosts an Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, mm, retrospective cool. show as well. And so I'm we're, very we're topical. I'm very with the here and now. On those <laughs> That's right. You're, you're talking back with someone that 90s. just finished a podcast that just covered Independence Day four minutes at a time. Nice. <laughs> that's so great Um, but you know it was like i I think if you go back and listen to our preview episode that we posted as our goodbye earl episode which we only talked about the episode for like five minutes that was like a five Um, but it uh it it was a preview to the fact that we had gotten some access to the screeners and that we were going to talk about ted lasso season two and in that i think it was just kind of the excitement that we had talking about that one that we're like Mm. no let's just keep doing this and so Let's just keep doing this. Yeah, from there. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's just been really neat to be able to have that opportunity to to check it out, and it's kind of fun to always be able to go back and dive deeper into these characters. And what I kind of like about um, we're going to be gearing up to do season one here soon is that now I think we have to kind of come at that from a you've already seen the show. Like I don't know if our show would be a great. Uh, welcome podcast into <laughs> people that had just now starting season one, they should go to you guys for that because all of your content was like by the episode, which was wonderful. And then now we can kind of be like, oh yeah, remember that moment in the pilot that's now paid off in season two down the road. So it'll be yeah. kind of a fun way to see the the show as, as it comes forward. Yeah. That'll be an interesting way to listen to it though. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think knowing we'll, we'll what see comes. Yeah. <laughs> Also, just there's so many seeds that we didn't even know were seeds mm-hmm. um, that probably just get passed over mm. uh, upon just initial watch. But as the the tome of lasso, as I will coin now. Yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, be watching Nate's character a lot closer on this season yeah. one re- rewatch just because of everything that went down. Yep. It it has become apparent that this is a much more dense text than we even suspected, which is 
fabulous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what's cool is the, the fan community that's behind this. I know you all get uh, in-depth e emails and we're starting to get those now too, where it's like all these theories that people mm -hmm. have. Yeah. And on Twitter, you can see just threads of people talking about these characters. And that just shows that there are so many people that have connected to this in a special way. And right now we're talking the week of Halloween. How many Ted Lasso Halloween costumes have you My seen God. just amongst your friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. like posting on their social media. So clearly it's, it's really starting to dig in into the culture. And it's funny because we're just off the heels of Sudeikis um, hosting SNL. And yeah. in his monologue, he said it, that I think it's probably just as much a surprise to them that this was such a hit because yeah. what are two things that Americans hate? I'm paraphrasing, but it's like soccer and kindness. <laughs> you know, that's what the show is about. But yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think it is about this show, John? What, what do you think it is that um, is starting to gather that audience and, and allows people to connect in this way? I think the timing of when it came out was huge or when it started to be noticed, at least I think people were starving for something that was a little softer or kinder. Um, we had been, we've been just, uh, most TV and mainstream film and content has been just like filled with uh, cynicism and, and I don't know, meanness for so long. Um, and I think people were just tired of that and needing something different and it just hit at the right time. Um, it's interesting now to see people coming into it now. Like, I don't know exactly what draws them in now. Maybe it's just the fact that it is popular now and people don't want to miss out on those big things um because season two definitely isn't you know it's not as sweet as season one so yeah well and you know what's interesting about it is like i think it became kind of um scheduled tv that everybody had to go and check out whether that was people staying up until midnight or 1 a.m whenever it was going to drop on apple or even watching it on friday and making sure that they got it in like even before work you know or whatever the case may be um, I think that that's really interesting because I'd heard so much speculation um, from podcasts I listened to and just reading industry articles, things like that about Game of Thrones and how that was going to be the last show that was like that because we were moving in such a streaming world mm. and streamers typically tend to release yeah. things all at the same time, or at least they had been. The and I have to tell you, I, I kind of like and I, maybe I'll, I'll get shot by some listeners for this, but I kind of like making myself have to wait a bit mm -hmm. to see these too. things. Um, yeah. one of my favorite shows is the marvelous Miss Maisel. I love that show to death, but I like have to go back and almost rewatch the entire season, mm. uh, or series before we get to season four, because I watch those in a weekend. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, Maisel came out. I'm gonna go check it all out. And I'm like, I'll wait. Like you two, you said you do two episodes at a time. Like seriously, that takes some willpower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for real. <laughs> I mean, but it's such... yeah, it's... yeah. Or go, go ahead, John. Now you go. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it, part of the reason we do that is a because we're like, we could not just be on the couch for like hours on end. Like we can't be doing that. But also. I think I have a very scarcity mindset. And so I'm constantly concerned that we will run out of content. And then we saw in the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic, like this can really happen. So I like try and limit us on our favorite programs. Cause I'm like, we need to have things in the queue at all times. We could not be racing through. So that's why we do that. That's right. And when, when we just had the, um, 
potential IATSE strike where they're still trying yep. to work out the details and a holy moly, hopefully they continue to work out in the favor of all those people working so hard in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was also something where it could have stopped everything. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah, I, I get that. There is a lot of content out there, but at the same time, you never know. But is you it know, high quality? No, <laughs> yeah. I need high quality content ready at all times. What are the things I start? Oh, go ahead, Kenny. Well, the, the, I think we talk about this on LassoCast a a regular amount because we're also keen on valuing the content that we have and giving it a little bit more reverence than we do because there's such a surplus of content out there. It's once you finish your episode of Ted Lasso, you can hop over to YouTube, you can hop over to TikTok. There's just so much out there to consume and there is really something lovely about kind of being forced to sit with the media that you've consumed Mm. and figure out how you feel about it figure out what this means to you um because it's really easy to just kind of move on to the next thing but instead challenge yourself just kind of sit there and think about it because people work shoot going back to the IATI strike people work so hard and it they're they're working uh, it it's yeah people are just working so hard and we just devour it so quickly and go great what's next what's next yeah 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 Yeah. and and that's kind of why i'm almost okay with the you know and, and brendan hunt came out at the beginning of this uh season and said that the first three episodes they assumed apple would release like they did in their first season so they thought that they were going to come out uh, all at the same time and so that's why it kind of plays as almost like a three-act play prior to getting into carol of the bells but you know i i kind of like the idea of having something there to look forward to at the end of the week or yeah. whenever it's going to drop and so i'm okay with disney plus and, and these doing that uh, i know that uh, for, as far as for your dollar if you could get into a streaming service because you want to watch a show you can watch it all and binge it and then cancel after a month i understand that you know for as a consumer that that might yeah. be what you want to do and you can yeah. still do that just at the end of the season so uh that is still definitely an option for you but you know yeah. john getting back to the idea of when this show launched um i have to say it was kind of serendipitous timing with the dumpster mm-hmm. fire that was 2020 i mean i know me i was a, a wreck i have a small child uh we i was already anxious uh going into things already kind of stressed in my day job and then went into this kind of period of not knowing what was next and not knowing what was going to be best for your family making sure you were staying safe and so to have this kind of beacon of hope in the middle of that uh, Mm -hmm. was something that i was extremely attracted to and so it i think that that also fed my love of ted lasso and and starting to to get that and i wonder how much people really gravitated towards it because of that, because of the kindness angle uh, that was also out there. But what do you think, Jeremy? What, what are your thoughts on all of this? You know, I, I definitely, the, the fortuitousness of the pandemic and the, the way that the show comports itself is, is, you know, pretty apparent to me. Um, 
it's not that like uh, I can't remember which of you said it, but uh, talked about cynicism. Like cynicism is so easy, just as a, a general outlook on life, um, and especially in the entertainment industry, it is so easy to make cynical content or or cynical content in the guise of like real. You know, this is what reality is like. Like why on earth we're coming to a, a film to see real life? I don't know. Um, but you know what I what I love about lasso is is that yeah it's unabashed in its kindness and its optimism but it doesn't ignore the realities of the world it doesn't ignore the problems of the world it just chooses to confront them with you know a bit more optimism and a bit Mm -hmm. more kindness and honestly i think that's what really makes the show catch fire it's that because you have everybody deals with these sorts of problems, but you know, maybe not soccer or football specific problems, but you know, everybody has problems that that you deal with and it's all in your, your mindset and how you, how you go about them. I'm very much in, in that mindset of, you know, I always want to think if something goes wrong, okay, you know, that sucks. What do we do now? You know? So I'm, I always try to keep a level head, but I think that's what makes it truly penetrate the, the kind of cynical cultural zeitgeist as it is, you know, it's, unabashed in its optimism but it doesn't ignore that there is you know people or mindsets in the world that are opposite that and i think that's mm. what really got it got it and caught fire and it goes from you know like Sai said at the beginning it goes from a 30 minute comedy and then they trick us into <laughs> these 45 minute drama episodes yeah. and what yeah. I, I it's almost like i mean they it's like they they started with that unabashed optimism and hope and that's still a through line it certainly is. But at the same time, that season two becomes all about the ideas of mental health and therapy and making sure that you're giving that self-care as well. I mean, all of our yeah. characters develop in such a way that uh, allow for them to be vulnerable. And that too is something that I feel like we need. So it's yeah. in, in, we were talking about this in our uh, season two finale when we're talking about, and actually I think maybe it was our recap episode. I, I don't remember at this point, but the the whole, everything that happened with Simone Biles this summer at the Olympics and putting a spotlight on mental health issues in athletics and how those are just as serious and should be taken just as seriously as physical in- injury. And um, they were, you know, of course, like this show started airing around the time that the Olympics were going on, but of course it was written and filmed months before that they were way ahead of these mm-hmm. types of issues that were coming up in sports as well and so it does feel like the writing of this show is just so in tune with what maybe we need as an audience is that kind of a hokey way to yeah. say that i don't know what do you think Sai? like i think what was great about season one and still is great about the show is like it's so relatable so like season one i think was more optimistic and then season two it's kind of teaching you about resilience like Mm -hmm. what happens when you are officially in it you know what I mean like how are we growing how are we treating ourselves better how are we moving forward in a way and I think in 2020 like we all needed that kindness we all needed that optimism and even now we're all still like recovering (laughs) from 2020 or just our own miscellaneous I don't know if we can curse on here. Miscellaneous shit that's happening. Yes, absolutely. Okay, fine. Great. <laughs> we, put, <laughs> we put the E next to us. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. E for explicit. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just think season two, even if we're not coming out of 2020, I think it's still going to hold up in years to come because I think you need yeah. both sides of that, like how to be optimistic and then how to kind of overcome and move forward too. Mm-hmm. 
kind of like how to deal, right? How to you know, deal, like, man. Yeah, how well, to deal. I, I love how you said that, uh, Sai, though, about resilience because resilience implies work. <laughs> resilience implies something you have to work to do. So, like when you were saying that, I was just thinking of that. Yes, yeah, season one is optimistic, and you know this is a way you can deal with the hardships of the world. But then season two really does show you, like, but that's something you have to work on. <laughs> that's something mm-hmm. that doesn't just happen because you decide to make it happen. It is something that you have to keep and continually work on. Hundred percent. I just, I like that. There's for me anyway. There seems to be a thread of season two that's kind of challenging the audience a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I think. I feel like season one kind of showed people or reminded them how to be empathetic. And then season two was like, now let's challenge the limits of your empathy <laughs> with yeah. taking some of your favorite characters and, and letting them turn heel. And uh, I mean, we've seen the reaction on Twitter of some people <laughs> who uh, <laughs> yeah. the limits of their empathy, maybe not so deep. Um, but I, I'm just very curious to see where that goes in season three. But I, I just kind of appreciate the, the courage and the ambition of a show that gets that like builds a fan base based on positivity and then challenges it right away in season two. It's almost like, you know, I, I didn't, I'm, I'm doing this on the fly cause it's, I'm making the connection points in my head, but um, game of Thrones, those last couple of episodes rubbed so many people the wrong way mm-hmm. because of the turns that were made in characters. And, and I don't want to necessarily name names because just in case there's mm-hmm. folks that want to go out there and watch, uh, you know, game of Thrones at this point, yeah. I would say stop at like season six, but that's just me. Jeez, um, but Jeremy hates me for that. You know, it's like, it doesn't, but it does take a little bit of courage from a writing staff to be able to subvert some of those expectations. And now clearly some of these storylines that we're dealing with, and we can maybe even talk about those a little bit too, but some of the storylines that we're dealing with, we do still have some tropes that appear and some, you know, there's some people like, I think that we could maybe see from, uh, especially from the time that Rupert whispers in the ear at the funeral, we might be able to infer that uh, perhaps he's going to be trying to grab Nate away from Ted at some point. Right. But it's the way that they still go about uh, subverting some of those other expectations that they have. But Jeremy, you started to, your zoom box was lighting up. No, no, no. I'm going to get into this because I'm going to ask him now. So it's like, okay, so Kenny, I want to start with you here. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So this is a moment off talked about in season two, when Rupert whispers in Nate's ear, there's some people I've seen that think that this is first contact of Nate and Rupert, um, or some people that think that this is something that's been brewing, and this is just the first time we as the audience have seen it. What say you to either of those thoughts? I don't care. Nice. <laughs> uh, because what what really matters is that we see them make the contact. Yeah. Um, and yep. I'm, I, I, yeah. That's 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 really what I, I I care about. Hopefully, I don't sound too flippant. But also, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, thank goodness! You I just sound I, like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Way different. Boy, Way true. different. <laughs> uh, but all, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't engage with fan theories like like that because I'm 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 going. What what is this show trying to say about the human condition? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, are we to believe that, I mean, if you look back at season one, what what kills us in that halftime speech that's given at the end of season two finale is that Ted is the one that helped prop Nate up. He was just someone that was a kit man that was just, uh, you know, 
making sure people didn't run on the grass after it was freshly cut. Yeah. Right. So I don't believe there's any chance that Rupert and Nate had been conspiring beforehand just because yeah. I, I just don't think that that's in Rupert. I don't think that he would have cared about the, anybody who's managing the field or who's um, right. doing the laundry. I just don't think that that's his character, you yeah. know? And so I, I don't know, I, I guess like that's where I'm at with that, but yeah, no, but mm. I, I agree with that too. But um, uh, side with like, you know, Nate, obviously that part of the final part of the season there, um, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on what you thought of the confrontation between Ted and Nate oh, um, Lord, in that because <laughs> no, it's it's because like that I'm I'm fascinated every time I watch this confrontation. Um, not even just because of Nate's mindset, the things he's saying, and how it looks like he's twisting his reality to comport to what he wants it to look like, but. Ted's reaction is also just kind of puzzling, isn't it? Like, you know, how he just kind of sits there and takes it. And then even in the match afterward, he's still patting Nate on the shoulder saying like, yeah, let's go. Let's get this win. And, you know, like what, what what do you guys think of this whole interaction here? I'm still fascinated by it. One, I'm going to go back for one second. I'm going to say, unlike Kenny, I do engage with there fan theories. There you go. There you I go. They're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of that. Nice. Um, or what were you going to say, John? I was going to say, like, half of our episodes for season two have been just creating wacky <laughs> theories. Wild, wacky theories. They've been great. Um, so I will say, I don't, I don't think Rupert and Nate had connected in the past. And the only reason I say that is unfortunately and i've had to catch myself on it i don't think ted lasso the show rewards um i don't think they reward the theories like we're never mm. gonna get to check the math we're never gonna see a flashback <laughs> we're never gonna know so i just don't think they're gonna do that it's unlikely there will be a conversation later where nate's like we've been talking since yeah 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 christmas <laughs> you know what i mean so like we I met at the auction what a weird line yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unlikely. So that's a shame. Um, but going back to, you know, the last episode where it's not even Nate who confronts Ted. Ted asks yeah. Nate, like, what's going on here? You know, it's clear that like Nate is kind of conflating, you know, some of his past, uh, you know, trauma with like his own dad and his own family. Cause he even brings up to Ted, like you should be home with your son and like mm. all this stuff that seems a little bit unrelated. Mm. Um, it's an intense reaction. Ted, of course, is a class act. He's the most empathetic person. And I and maybe he's even like gotten some tips from from Sharon. Mm -hmm. Not like actual tips, but just sort of seeing like, what do you do with an unruly person? You know what I mean? Like it's so disarming to just sort of mm -hmm. accept it and just sort of lean in and say, like, okay, like what tell me, like what can I do? So so I like that technique. Um the professional side of me is like, Nate, knock it off. You <laughs> like, cannot be yelling at people like this. Like this is not appropriate. And part of me feels like Nate, and this is not, it's not nice, but like, like Nate should have a little bit of agency. Like Ted's his boss. And like, if you felt like you were truly being neglected, it's not just a matter of being the golden boy. It's also just saying like, Hey dude, let's meet up you know what i mean so i just think it goes both ways a little bit and i know that's not a part of the show but that's where my head went immediately it was like there's a little bit of a two-way street here and and that's all yeah well absolutely i mean he's filling you know ted ted to 
Nate is filling in in that father role that Nate feels like he never had. But Ted, that responsibility shouldn't be placed solely on Ted or um, that perception of that relationship shouldn't be placed solely on Ted. I mean, in my mind, if you're the coach of the team, you're trying to be kind of that father figure to you know, this whole crew of people. And so again, that's why I felt like almost like the, the one thing that I had about the, the finale speech that I'm like, really, I don't understand this was that the abandonment angle, like the, you that. abandoned me. Oh, go ahead, Jer. I have a theory on that. Now, uh, uh, John, it seems like a good question to ask you as well though. But like, does that stem from, does that stem from Roy being added to the coaching staff? is my question. Do you think that's where the abandonment stems from, from Nate's mind? I think I definitely contributed to it, but I think it just, it's, it starts with Nate's relationship with his father. Um, I think Ted's kind of a surrogate or the most recent surrogate for that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. I think you can, I mean, if, when you, when you do your rewatch on season one, I think you'll see little, little seeds planted very early the way that Rebecca forgets who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, he smashes the the window and the door, like all that stuff was there. And I don't think the responsibility falls solely on Ted, but I do think he is a little bit responsible for not noticing how much uh, Nate was struggling. Uh, I mean, and Beard for not telling Ted what was going on, but it's yeah. something that like if they could have stepped in a little bit sooner and tried to help him deal with this sudden rise to power, you know, coming from such a low status person his whole life to suddenly having a little bit of notoriety um, messed with him a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it, I think it just goes way back to childhood with his father. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cy and Kenny, do you think that that uh, has something to do with it there? The, um, how do I want to put this? Do you think Beard misstepped by not bringing Ted into Nate's behavior earlier in the season? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it, this is why this conflict is so lovely because everyone is responsible. Yeah, and those are my favorite kinds of conflicts to watch on just in my media. Whenever it's really easy to just not be able to pick a side. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone is at fault and everyone should be forgiven hopefully if they just take responsibility for their own actions um beard definitely should have told ted about it and also coming from that environment of kindness fixes everything all they can think about to do is just throw more kindness mm -hmm. at mm. the situation and believe the best in nate because they just believe in people it's well-intentioned mm. but what happens when kindness just can't be the salve that fixes the, mm. the ship anymore i hope i use that expression you correctly. did you did okay thank god that's <laughs> wonderful <laughs> i love it uh so one thing i before we start to get into some uh quotes or some lassoisms that we have or yeah. tedisms that we have coming up um i do want to ask uh because now we've had some moments to reflect from our season finale and the recaps that we did and all of that. Um, you all in that penultimate episode uh, were concerned about 
which way Sam was going to go. Mm. And it seemed like you were all really pumped for him to be heading to Africa uh, <laughs> to play. And so I want to know where are you at with Sam uh, heading into this season three? And maybe John, you could go first. And where are you at with a Kufo, man? Woohoo! Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. No kidding. <laughs> that was a disappointing turn for me with a Kufo. That came out um, of nowhere. <laughs> I think my biggest thing with Sam was I'm, I'm fine with the decision he made. I'm of course excited to see him back on Richmond next year. I think I just wanted some kind of payoff to the financial woes that they hinted at early in the mm, season yeah. and that him leaving could have been a result of that. I was just hoping something yeah. would come of that. Um, but I'm not upset that he's staying. Okay. Uh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Any, uh, either you two want to chime in Kenny? I mean, I was just excited at the possibility of, Edwin Akufa's mission statement of, I want to create a strong team that will represent Africa mm. in the world stage. Yeah. And that is very, very attractive. And then not only that, but Sam, this just this embodiment of charisma mm -hmm. and positivity and intelligence. And he will be the captain of this team. And this means so much to so many people. And you're going to be there and you're the guy and Edward Akufo is so charismatic. And mm. then that heel turn happens. And I was just like, uh, that one happened quick. It, they, he, they had us tricked for about yeah. a week there. Right. Yeah. Where we're like, Oh yeah, this is a compassionate billionaire. Those exist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say, and I don't want to toot my own horn. I didn't trust Edwin from the start. There like I there absolutely wanted Sam to go. I wanted to spread his wings. I wanted him to live out the mission and like, do all the things, but I was not shocked. Mm -hmm. Billionaire, billionaires cannot be trusted. And if you're I, a billionaire oh, listening, you know, oh, I think oh, you're ahead. probably fine, but most of you cannot be trusted. Yeah, there you go. I, I mentioned it in our, in our, uh, episode 12, maybe, um, that I, I think I was just fooled by Sam Richardson because I, I uh -huh. love him so yeah. much as an actor and a performer. I was like, of course he's being honest. No, he's, he's devilishly charismatic in that whole episode, but the, yeah. you, you're right. Though, sorry, it was, it was when he, he sent the flowers in the finale episode. It was like, sorry for your loss. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. He started Real to get a shady. little, yeah. He started See, to get that night. <laughs> Talking to all of you make me better at this whole thing because I just came up so we can go back and like edit this like sentence into our episode. A couple no way, weeks ago man. And make me no sound way. Awesome. But <laughs> We, we, we should have known because uh, Sam, philosopher Sam, uh, in season one, what's ah. one of the first like major things that he says? He doesn't trust people that don't get their own, that don't make their own wealth, don't yeah. have their own money. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I just thought of that. Right. And so here's the payoff to that is that this is a guy who we all thought was like, oh, okay, but he's getting, all, he's inheriting all of his dad's money. And turns out he's not great. Although I will say, aside from this, uh, Sam Richardson, I am again a big Disney fan, and I did uh, just complete watching my uh, yearly ritual of watching Hocus Pocus, and so I was pumped mm -hmm. for Hocus Pocus 2. There have been four cast members announced for Hocus Pocus 2. It's the three witches and Sam Richardson. So I don't know what really? he's going to do yeah, in that's that. Amazing. Um, but at least according to IMDb, he's going to be in it, and it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I think say. we should put uh, <laughs> Bette Midler in season three of Ted Lasso. Dude, yes. Oh my absolutely. god. Yeah. Oh my god. That can be a ticket. That could be a ticket be. hold name of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she shows up. It could be that moment up. where she shows up. And she's like, no, I really need Bette Midler. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. No, but this isn't 
No. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, wait, wait, I, I do, got, I got to give him my question though, that I gave to you that you sort okay. of answered in our last one. Um, are Roy and Keely, are they okay? Or, or are troubles on the horizon? I'm so stressed. <laughs> I think troubles oh. on the horizon. I oh, think they'll no. still end up together, but I think there's a rough patch to go through. Okay. Uh, yeah. Agreed. And I, I love that it's just stemming from Roy's insecurity. Yes. About- himself because yeah. Keely so far has been the one that is kind of insecure about herself and now she's finding her footing and because she's finding her footing <laughs> and Roy's pulling a Ted Lasso of who am I if I can't fix this person mm-hmm. and now suddenly uh, he is going well I'm worthless now because I can't give you pep talks and make you feel better mm-hmm. and that is just uh, I I love that journey unless that journey just doesn't happen in season three yeah, we'll <laughs> in which case i'm just like well I mean, that's just the that was one of the the shocks to the system with season two because it was just not going any place that i expected mm-hmm. and then at some point during the season i was just probably whenever ted says let go of your expectations i was yeah, like you know a, what nice i just kind of have to go with them stop projecting my own expectations on this darn thing and see what the heck they have to say yeah that fairy tale speech seems to be coming up quite a bit uh, every now and again mm-hmm. so yeah. what about you trouble on the horizon or are you staying hopeful our trouble i, I think it unfortunately is on the horizon i how many how many seasons are we getting is it three or four I mean, they said they keep Supposed saying it's three. done at three but yeah i think i think one of the producers recently said that there's a possibility well, it, it was bill more, it was bill lawrence bill right lawrence, and he, yeah. the way he said it was that they planned for three seasons so if they go four they would basically have to start a new story arc like mm-hmm. they would have to mm-hmm. you know what i mean like whether it's a time jump or it's just like you know, like D2, they're going to go play in the Olympics or World Cup or, you yeah. know, whatever the case may be. Ooh, oh AFC God. Richmond still goes to play in a junior Goodwill game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. Somehow. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, but they that's basically what they said. I i don't know. Anyway. Uh, Back to your So, yes, answer. maybe three uh, if we're is only guaranteed what we three, then I do think they're going to pull it out at the end. I do think we're in for some rocky roads toward the beginning because they're good at showing just life. Like, life is not perfect. So... I think mm-hmm. they're going to have a tough time, but I'm here for a wedding and I will get a wedding. Oh, so help me. We do, we do need a Ted yeah, Lasso wedding. This show needs a, it needs a wedding. It needs need a, a wedding, wedding for sure. It is the for Zach sure. and Kelly effect from Saved by the Bell though, isn't it? You have to keep splitting them up, man. <laughs> Bring them together, right? split them apart, man. Yep. But this show subverts all that. That's why I'm saying that they are in a great place. John's completely right. Roy needs to get out of his own head. Keely's like, I love this guy. This relationship's perfect. Whatever. Oh, it's the fact yeah. that they they had that moment on the photo shoot couch and they were so open and honest to each other. There's no way that couple is breaking up. That's mm-hmm. uh, my thoughts. And you can all laugh at me when I'm completely wrong in season three. No, but- I, there, there's something to be said there because similar with trying it's very rare to see couples in uh tv shows that are water cool or tv shows where those couples are on the the people in the couples are on each other's side Mm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to what happens in sitcoms what happens in tv shows which is we need to generate conflict because we have to generate story Mm. not this show uh at, at least for for most of it i still think that some of the episodes at the beginning of season two were kind of injecting conflict just to kind of get things jump-started but at least within the confines of the Roy Keeley relationship those things the the issues are 
very baked into the beginning of where the where we find these characters characters that are insecure about themselves mm. um and this show kind of not to keep using the term subvert uh but it subverts those expectations by avoiding typical sitcom tropes mm-hmm. by going we're we're just going to jump over the misunderstanding and instead the more edgy thing here is i'm going to communicate with you directly and so the conflicts that arise are much more emotionally complex and it's mm-hmm. oh, oh, oh. no i agree. <laughs> i agree with you though kenny it's because like when nate kisses keely right the first thing I'm thinking there, because I've watched TV before, is like, oh great, this will get drawn out, and they're going to keep it secret, and then he'll find fight. he'll find out from you know somebody's third cousin and uh, through a text message of some kind, and yeah, but yeah, I mean it's literally just right there. It's just like, well, Nate kissed me, you know, and it's like, yeah. and you're right, and and the the reaction is so much more compelling. <laughs> That's a great word to use for it. It's so much more compelling because now they have to deal with why they care or they don't care about that incident, as opposed to the fact that. That it happened so i i agree with you that's great analysis it speaks yeah, it, to how well this series is oh sorry kenny i i jumped no. right ahead of you uh, I, it speaks to please. just so go ahead no 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 no, no, no it's your show <laughs> <laughs> you're good it just speaks to I how do just well... want to say this one thing <laughs> oh my god i love it this I is too it. perfect this so is too much. perfect so much i uh it, it's great that we I had kind of planned on talking about like fan reactions and things like that. But this, this show is so well-written that it's like, Oh no, we still need to go. And like, we can nerd out and dive into uh, this season two again. Um, but I do want to move us into what we love to do on this show. And I realized that um, we have this other host on our network named Larry Smith, and he gives us a great old timey Sam Elliott impression for this section of our show nice. that we're going to drop in. But I realized being with a bunch of Texans, that might be kind of offensive to y'all, right? Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we're going to get right into our Tedisms. <laughs> For each week, we share Biscuit's Truth. All right. So uh, I believe, I don't know if the, the word had been passed on, but one of the things that we like to do is just to kind of mention one of our favorite quotes, or uh, you can paraphrase if necessary. doesn't necessarily need to be from Ted, but uh, this could be really covering anything in the season for you. But I wonder uh, if there was a favorite line that really spoke to you from one of these characters that we all love. And I don't know who, who wants to go first out of all of you on lasso cast i can go first all right john um there's there's like um there's a tedism as far as like one of his jokes that always stuck out to me and the one i always remember from season one and i i don't remember specifically what episode it was on because we haven't watched season one in a while but um the he was uh he talks about like, and I'm going to paraphrase. He talks about uh, as far as locker rooms, he likes to. Let me start that over. <laughs> he's talking about his locker room, and he he likes them just like his mother's bathing suits. I only want to see him in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> just classic lasso, right? Like, I mean, yeah. just I, it's it's funny because like I every now and then I try so hard to come up with like a witty line to uh, retweet something or something like that. And I'm like, man, I couldn't ever write on this show. (laughs) They're unbelievable. Years. It would take me years to come up with these references for sure. Um, Kenny, you got one. Yes. Um, 
I'm sorry. I was scrolling through my notes to try and figure out what the heck, uh, I, uh, what what quote that I would want to pull. You can pull um, multiple if you yeah. need to. I Throw mean, a bunch, we, man. We'll go know, round robin on this thing. We're all ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Th- this is this is the one that sings to me the most, and this is from Jamie Tart in episode seven of uh, Headspace, uh, season two, episode seven. Um, is whenever Roy confronts Jamie on the pitch uh, about not uh, about trying to maneuver Richard into this way, and then Jamie uh, says, "I need to give him space." And then he says, the point is that Richard doesn't need me to crowd him. And since he's my teammate, I should trust him to do what's best. Right. Uh, and it's, of course, Roy storms off the pitch, but it is, it's just kind of a throwaway line, but also it's the mark of true intimacy. It is really easy to just be a canon of positivity at someone and go, you're the best. You're wonderful. I love you. You're gorgeous. You're, you're a hottie. Uh, I, I want to hit that, but it's an, it's, it's another thing to go. I trust you to do the right thing and then let yourself be vulnerable at the same time. That is something that I wrestle with so much because I just, I want to fix people and I want them to make sure that they like me. But true intimacy is going is is just kind of taking away the safety net, taking away my people pleasing skills, and going just jamming a fork in my leg and going, "I trust you to like me the way that I am." <laughs> and it, it, yeah, that speaks volumes to me. Yeah, and you know, Kenny, I think uh, what I've learned from not only listening to your show, but this also this past hour with you is that uh, we were destined to meet because uh, very much some of those same things about you know that uh, it, it's cool to see Jamie's progression, and I think that's one of the storylines clearly that I'm looking the the most forward to going back and revisiting from season one to see that progression from like the villain of season one into really he has a, a very quick turnaround and redemption arc by the third episode of the of season two now it's not a full redemption but he is already showing you when he's putting uh the black tape over dubai air that he is someone that's going to be much more of a team player and um the fact that he's the first of the white teammates to do that, I think really speaks volumes to the um, what he's learned about what it means to be on a team. And uh, it was kind of like a quick low point because he got you know, thrown off of the trashy Big Brother type reality show, which, by the way, I love Big Brother. So that's why I always use that as my favorite reference. Sure. Um, but it, it, it happens quick, uh, that redemption. But at the same time, I really do... Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that arc and how that goes uh, throughout and seeing where we, what we know where he's at now and also where he's going to go as a character, because I do feel like maybe in those last couple of episodes, he's sort of shifted to the background, but he's truly, I mean, Phil Dunster's just a a wonderful actor. Emmys for Phil. Emmys for Phil. Start it. Start the hashtag. How do you give Emmys to like you got to give Emmys to Emmys for Tahib too, and you know for Nick and everyone else? Like I almost feel like you know, and you know the way the Emmys work are that uh, Hannah and Jason are going to be winning Emmys for however much longer <laughs> they're going to be doing this. But at the same yeah. time, it's kind of like 
Just give one to each of them each, each year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you get another guy into lead actor with, uh, with Jason there, but still like, yeah. it, it's just, um, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm so excited about where this is going, but also going back and kind of retrospectively being able to check out that arc as well. But, yeah. uh, Cy, do you have a quote that you wanted to mention or something from one of our characters? Yeah. Yeah, and also I totally forgot about the initial Jamie storyline that he was on this reality show. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The show I, I believe it was called Lust Conquers All, if I remember. Love, right. it, love Conquers All, isn't it? I thought or it was, was Lust. It's lust. It's Probably Lust. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it has to be Lust con- Conquers All. Okay. Oh, so great. Totally yeah. forgot about that. Um, the quote that I like is from season one, episode eight, and I couldn't remember it exactly, so I'm like, let me just look it up. Uh, it's when. Roy like walks in on the diamond dogs or like just doesn't understand what the diamond dogs is. And so Ted's explanation, and I quote, it's just a group of people who care, Roy, not unlike folks at a hip hop concert whose hands aren't in the air. Come (laughs) on. That's great stuff. I love that. Oh Oh, gosh. It's so great. It's just so great. Oh man. And come on, Roy Kent, for sure. A diamond dog. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. I mean, they converted him be, now. Yeah. Well, yeah. But even before that, yeah. like, I mean, you know, like I would say at least at the very least, you got to say when they're giving, spilling all their secrets uh, before the Man City match at yeah. that point, Roy mm-hmm. is a diamond dog, right? I mean, yeah. Before he yeah. even knows it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, come on, who, who of us wasn't like absolutely rolling on the floor when Beard's just like, oh my God, oh my God. Like when he yeah, says the, that's it's when cool. I was like Emmys for Beard. One of the, yeah. one of the best <laughs> yes, moments yeah. of the show. Love it. <laughs> I mean, Johnny, your rankings for the show is at the top, Beard mm-hmm. After Hours, then the Christmas episode. Then Christmas. Definitely. Then Good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. I, um, I gotta tell you, I'm a sucker for a Christmas episode. So I know a lot of people put that lower, uh, in the season, but I'm glad that they just gave us kind of like a pseudo out of sync timeline. I can go back and watch because you know, what other show did that great was the West wing. And uh, part of my Christmas tradition every year is to watch, uh, Noel and to watch in Deo and like all these different West wing episodes. So now I just get to add Carol, the bells to that list of episodes to check out out for sure i would have ranked um, carol of the bells over beard after hours but carol of the bells has a distinct lack of hula hoop dancing so i can't i can't <laughs> put it above that okay you Fair talk enough. about this hula hoop dancing like it's something you aspire to i, I do want to see you don't you don't aspire <laughs> to be able to techno hula hoop dance because i can't imagine a scenario where that skill does not come in handy uh, absolutely um <laughs> Anybody else have anything, uh, other quotes or anything that they, you know, Kenny, you say that you always have notes for these things. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else you wanted to throw out there before we start to wrap this thing up? I mean, my favorite joke is a such a quiet joke in uh, the episode where they're trying to do the exorcism. And Johnny and Sai have heard me talk about how much I love this joke. Mm. Uh, where they talk about the exorcism and they're going to bring in and try and uh, get the ghost out of there. And Colin, of course, says, that's too many ghosts. <laughs> and then the, the line that sends me over the edge is Richard with bone dry seriousness going, we cannot fight them all. Yeah. <laughs> I love that whole scene so much, man, especially yeah. because it starts with the, the Scorsese like film discussion as well. Just the, yep. uh, the, the the Roy Kent silence reference. I was watching that with my roommate uh, within the past couple of months. 
And that scene came up because that is one of my favorite jokes of the entire show where Roy Kent yelling silence mm. uh, and then everyone gets quiet. And then I was so good. saying, this is my favorite joke. And she's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, rewind it, watch it again and maybe oh. put on subtitles. And then once she got the joke, she was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest <laughs> show of all time. Well, now I feel left out. I don't know if I get the joke. <laughs> What's the joke? Johnny, you he got this a, one? Scorsese directed a film called Silence. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not familiar. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, we though, should watch you... it sometime, Sly. I mean, we'll, it's, do, it, it's we'll a... do a double feature of My Best Friend's Wedding and then Silence. And now Silence. That Great, would yeah. actually be a good pairing, considering the subject matter of Silence. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think those are great choices. I, I The Two Aces episode that you mentioned there, uh, Kenny, is one of those that really got me. Not least of all is what made me love Jamie Tart so much um, because of the mm. story he tells um, about yeah. his mom and his dad uh, before burning the cleats. Um, and then just the joy that they all have when they're singing the Richmond song um, around the fire. I was just like, oh, this is great. And then here, bad Rebecca comes to ruin the day. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but, with her cape. I mean, I, I really, yeah. I really want a like a thirty six characters around Springfield type episode there you in go. season three where we just yeah. follow characters like Richard and Colin. Oh, yeah. That'd be so that great. Be great. That's why. That's why I don't get like. And again, I know that because we're releasing this at a weekly blip, like the Christmas episode and then Beard After Hours came in moments, like especially Beard After Hours, because it came right after Man City, and Man City is such a dramatic. Um, build that's really where this show truly turned into a 45 minute drama for the rest of the season and um, I understand the frustration to say like okay now we have to deal with this kind of detour over here for a while before we get back to the main storyline but I love that I love living in like the the and again Beard of course is not a side character I mean he's clearly involved in everything that Ted does but to get a little bit of his story and to hear a little bit more about him, his relationship, and like just everything about that, I enjoyed. It was offbeat. It's not like one that I immediately will go back to. You know, I'm teaching a, a first year seminar this uh, year. And tomorrow, actually, I'm showing three Ted Lapso clips. And uh, it's not mm -hmm. any of them from Beard After Hours. But mm -hmm. well, still, like, I still man. love that. I still love that episode. And I love those explorations of those side characters or those uh, more tertiary characters as well. I think that would be great for sure. Mm. I want to see more Isaac. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I. That's one of my predictions for season three is that because he uh, so clearly comes into his role as the captain and because he's the first one to put his hand on that Belize sign, to mm -hmm. me, I feel like we are going to get a lot more of that storyline, much like we got a lot more Sam in season mm -hmm. two. I think that maybe Isaac is someone that we get to throw in the mix a bit more in season three. At least that's my hope, maybe I more hope than so. a prediction. Yeah. So um mm -hmm. But th this this has been phenomenal. <laughs> Everything about this last hour makes me so happy. So yeah, thank you, uh, thank you so much to the the Lasso Cast folks for coming along and uh, for starting that first Ted Lasso podcast because what you did was allow for people like me going through that first season to listen to your episodes and to kind of have that uh, person that was able to um, be that conversation piece that we were missing because so many people were coming onto the show 
later and later. And so it's really awesome that uh, you all were out there. And I got to say, like, if, for, if somehow you have found peanut butter and biscuits and missed or did not find Lasso Cast, now you have 20 plus episodes of just greatness to go back and listen to. <laughs> so definitely go and check out Lasso Cast. Actually, can uh, one of you, I'll put uh, Kenny on the spot. Can you tell folks where they can go out and find you? Absolutely. You can find it at the very hard to find URL, lassocast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as just on anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can go find LassoCast. Additionally, we're on Twitter uh, at LassoCast. Um, Anything else, Johnny, Sai, that we can be found at? Instagram. We're on Instagram as we're well. On the, I think it's yeah. the, at the Lasso Cast on Instagram. We're barely on there. You're like, <laughs> there. The, you're like the Ohio State of uh, yeah, Lasso Cast on Instagram. The you. <laughs> it, it, this has just been an, an absolute blast. And uh, if uh, perchance that you are just coming back and listening to us for the first time because you love all these folks on Lasso Cast. Uh, we'd love for you to go and check out our season two. We did basically uh, do beat by beat reactions to all of season two. And then now starting next week, we are going to be gearing up for season one to do a rewind. We had promised folks that that would happen this week, but you know, we had Switch, this opportunity people. to talk to everybody. Uh, and this was just wonderful to be able to do this. So we are excited to start to bring you our season one uh, rewind starting next week, which we're going to be super pumped about. And of course you can find us uh, everywhere you find podcasts by just searching for peanut butter and biscuits. We're also on Twitter, PBB, FRN. Uh, we don't have a cool website because we're not very good at that stuff, like actually planning <laughs> that stuff out. Uh, I'm going to put that right at our editor in chief, who happens to be Jeremy. Did you have any other uh, final <laughs> thoughts uh, to this discussion? Well, aside from that, I mean, look, you always can't find any of the Front Row Network shows at nprillinoisorg slash program slash front dash row dash network. <laughs> that lassocast.com is so much easier guys i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie trust uh, me the, I've, I've been trying guys i've been trying to get that shortened <laughs> Sai, john easy. kenny any final thoughts before we uh clear this thing out thanks for having us y'all are awesome uh man i wish we run npr actually <laughs> like, <laughs> have a sick setup so that's really cool good for y'all yeah, yeah. it was uh Lovely chatting with you. Nice meeting you. Thanks for thanks a lot for the kind words. Yeah, absolutely, you guys are sweeties. <laughs> well, it was. Well, it, it was there has to be a nice sequel to, to this you. now. That's what and I'm I, saying. I will say, you know, uh, we we've, we've got a long wait for season three, but maybe a season three predictions episode would be kind of fun to, to meet back yeah. up and yes. and talk all about. So, uh, but thank you so much. So for everyone here at Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy. I'm Craig. I'm Sai. I'm John. And I'm Kenny Madison. And as always, everyone, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.